Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, Happy New Year to you. My name is Seth Brisker. I'm the uh, worship pastor here, and uh, just blessed to be able to be with you in this new year, this first day of the year. And congratulations to all of you for perfect church attendance this year. Uh, Keep it up. Today, as we turn to a new year, uh, we realize that in the church calendar, uh, we've been in the new year for about five weeks now. Advent actually starts a new year in the, uh, in the church, Christian church calendar, this rhythm that uh, leads us on uh, a cycle each year. We start with Advent, we, we lead up to Christmas, we celebrate Christmas, which then we lead into uh, Lenten season, which leads us into Easter and leads us into Pentecost. And there's this rhythm that we, that we experience in the church every year. And so Advent actually is the, the new year of the the Christian church. And so it's always kind of a strange time uh, because we are culturally celebrating a new year now. Christmas is usually the end of the year. Uh, But in reality, we've been in the new year and we are simply still in the Christmas tide, what the church calendar calls it, uh, the Christmas season on this Sunday. So really Christmas isn't the end of the year, it's the beginning of the year. And as we see, as we we come forth to the manger, we see that that Christmas is the beginning of God's story of redemption for humanity. I think for many of us, we we move on from Christmas so quickly. How many in here, show of hands if you're willing, have already taken their Christmas decorations down? They're out of there. Was it like day of Christmas? Was anyone day of Christmas? It was just out of there. Uh, some of you decorated in like August, so I understand it, it's, been, it's old. Um, but a lot of people, we want to move on. We want to get to the new year and we want to just start clean. We want to have a fresh start. And so we just uh, put all the Christmas decorations away uh, because we've had them out. We, 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 we've experienced it. We've, we've done the celebrations. But the reality is, is, is the moment we get to Christmas Eve, it's really just begun. The Christmas celebration, the Christmas spirit, Christmas tide has only begun at that point in time. We move on so quickly. We often leave Jesus in the manger. We leave him where he is safe in the manger. And we, we pack up our things for Christmas and we, we move on. A while ago, I was riding in the car with my son, Owen, and he had just gotten a book about Jesus, a a Bible book of sorts. And he's in the back, and he's uh, holding the book. I realized later he's actually holding it upside down. Um, But he's holding the book, and he goes, huh, hmm, huh. And I was like, Owen, I mean, what's, what's going on? He said, this is really interesting. He can't actually read. He's five years old. Uh, But it it was just very interesting to him, this book about Jesus. And I think many of us, we come to this book about Jesus, and we read this interesting story. We find ourselves going, huh, hmm. But it just stays there on the page. The interestingness of the story of Jesus, how often does it really transform who we are. 
what we do, how we act. Church, I wonder this morning, are we just reading about Jesus when we read the story of the Bible? Many of you probably today are starting a a read through the Bible in a year plan or some sort of Bible reading plan. It's New Year's Day. New Year's Day fell on a Sunday this year, so certainly that's God's sign for us to commit to reading through the Bible. Has anyone been there before? You're reading through the Bible in a year, and then you get to Genesis 4, and you're done. (laughs) And by Wednesday, you think, I'll read through the Gospels this year. And then by next Sunday, you think, I'll just read here and there, right? Like, we've, I, I've been there. I'm not, I'm not dissing you. I've, I've done it. I, I do it constantly. We create these plans. We, we have this dream. We have this vision. We have this goal. And then it's just an interesting story. It's not transforming us. It's not changing us enough. David Platt said, we American Christians have a way of taking the Jesus of the Bible and twisting him into a version of Jesus that we are more comfortable with. A nice middle-class American Jesus, a Jesus who doesn't mind materialism, who would never call us to give away everything we have, a Jesus who is fine with nominal devotion that does not infringe on our comforts. A Jesus who wants us to be balanced, who wants us to avoid dangerous extremes, and who, for that matter, wants us to avoid danger altogether. A Jesus who brings comfort and prosperity to us as we live out our Christian spin on the American dream. And as Kelsey started the service, New Year's often brings us to this point we get past Christmas, we, we pack the Christmas decorations away, and we come to this point of what am I going to accomplish this year? New year, new me, right? What goals, what resolutions, what things am I going to achieve this year? But the reality is, is that Christmas leads us into a new year for a reason, I believe, It's to refocus us, to reprioritize us, to start us back at the beginning of Jesus's redemptive plan for us so that we can start a new year with that mindset. At Christmas, we come and we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But church, we cannot allow Jesus to stay in the manger. Jesus didn't come so that we could get dressed up and and go to a candlelight service to sing Silent Night. He came to cut us off from the grip of the world. He came to call us to die to ourselves and to follow him. A new year offers us the opportunity to refocus our sights, to readjust our standards, to, to set new routines that would bring us closer to him still. A new year asks us this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Why do you believe Jesus came to this earth? What has following Jesus thus far changed in your life? And what will following Jesus in this new year change in your life? We're going to be in Mark chapter 8, 27 to 33 this morning. It'll be on the screen if you... Want to follow along in your Bible or on an app or on the screen? I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Mark chapter 8, 27 to 33. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. 
And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. I think one of the reasons that we pack up the Christmas decorations so quickly is because as the year, as the calendar turns, as we get to a new year, January 1st, we, we find ourselves wanting to just get back to normal. If you're a parent of a school-aged child that goes to school during the day, you are wanting to get back to normal, amen? You're wanting school to happen again, amen? If you're a teacher, you're like, no, absolutely not. Uh, but, but we're wanting to get back to normal, we, we find ourselves this time of year, we, we're, we're making new routines, where we're setting new goals, where we're getting back into a rhythm. We've had this awkward week in between Christmas and New Year where what day is it, what, what time is it? Uh, people were texting me on Tuesday about Thursday night worship practice, and I realized it's Thursday. That's why they're texting me, because it's Thursday. I thought it was Tuesday. What day is it? Where am I? right? We, we want to get back to normal. We want to move on from the holiday season. Uh, the Christmas parties are over. The special church services have ended. The gifts have been opened. The decorations have been packed up, or at least will be packed up soon, so that we can get things back to normal. But church, I wonder what is normal? Because Jesus's life was anything but normal in the eyes of the people who were following him. He was healing the sick. He was loving the sinners. He was pressing against the religious elite. Jesus was constantly causing people to wonder who exactly he was and what exactly he was doing. And the reality that we celebrate at Christmas is that the coming of the Messiah, nothing was ever going to be normal again. That Jesus came to literally flip the world upside down to redefine what we believe, what, who we are as God's people, and how we could connect with God. In this passage, Jesus lays out to us what normal was going to look like in the Christian life. He explains what it means to follow the Messiah, the King, who came to serve and to die. A King who calls his followers to also serve and to die. In this new year, if we want to get back to normal, our standard of normal must be defined by God and by his word. We must know and personally confess who Jesus is. We find this verse 27 to 30. We must know and personally confess who Jesus is. This is the inescapable question for every single believer. Who do you say that I am? This is the question we must be confronted with every day as followers of Jesus. Who do you say that Jesus is? You see that little baby in a manger that we pack away with the Christmas stuff when we get it back out with our nativity in, right after Halloween to decorate for another Christmas. 
next year. Who do you say Jesus is? The disciples go through a list of potential answers, each one positive and affirming, each one favorable assessments of who Jesus might be. Some say, you're a prophet, John the Baptist, others say Elijah. We find these lists of people that they're, they're giving to Jesus of who people say that he is, but then he, he turns up the heat on them and he says, who do you say that I am? Much like we see today, people, they, they applaud Jesus. They, they see Jesus as a great moral teacher. They see Jesus as an example for us to, to emulate. But church, we have to answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? A lot of people like Jesus. But how many truly claim Jesus to be their Messiah, their King, their Savior? Many want to leave Jesus in the manger. He's safe there. He's, he's cute there. Although I did realize last week we were singing away in a manger, and I never noticed before. I need to pull it up. I took a screenshot of the lyrics. It says, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And I thought, certainly not. Certainly Jesus, yes, he was perfect, but Jesus had to cry, right? I mean, parents, you've been around babies. Jesus certainly cried. The baby, Jesus, was certainly crying at some point in the story of this. But we've created this, this mindset of, of this precious little baby, this cute little innocent baby of Jesus in a manger. And that's where we want to keep him. Keep him safe. Keep him cute apparently not crying. The church, Jesus didn't come to earth just to be neatly wrapped in a manger. And we find in the gospels the fullness of God's plan for Jesus. But you, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Verse 29. Peter rejects the prevailing opinions of the crowd and the religious leaders and declares that Jesus is indeed the promised one, the, the Messiah. And still today, we are faced with a lot of popular and trendy opinions of who Jesus is or who Jesus was, a teacher, a, a prophet, a, a good moral authority. But there is only one answer that truly matters to the entirety of our Christian faith. Jesus is nothing if he isn't the Messiah. If he wasn't the Messiah born to save us from our sin and for our suffering, and there was no reason at all. So we must learn and affirm the ways of God and not our own. As we move into the second portion of this passage, 31 to 33, we must learn and affirm the ways of God and not our own. While Jesus' followers knew at this point that they were following the Messiah, the King, they were able to, to proclaim that he was the Messiah. They were able to answer the question that, that he was the Messiah. They didn't quite know yet the implications of following this Messiah would be. They didn't know what this Messiah was truly here to do. They were ready to follow a king. They didn't quite realize what that king was going to do. While following a king who would eventually die is not what they had expected or what they wanted. It was what they desperately needed. 
If all Jesus came to, to earth to do was to show us a, a good way of living church, it wouldn't have been enough. He didn't come to earth just so we could read his example and, and follow it. Yes, that's part of what we do as Christians, to follow his example. But if that was all he came to do, it wouldn't have been enough. Because the world was lost in their transgressions, in their sins, in their suffering. And they needed a savior. They didn't need a good teacher. They didn't need a social worker. They needed a savior. And we hold that same need today. Whether it's what we want, whether it's what we expect, whether it's what we like about Jesus, it's what we need. A savior from our sins. A Messiah who would die in our place. The weight and the reality of the cross are heavy. And the truth of God can often be inconvenient for us. Because we like the baby in a manger, not the man suffering on a cross. But when we know and confess who Jesus is, we also confess what he came to do. As soon as the disciples confess Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus begins to explain the reality of the situation. The Son of God given to mankind would be required to suffer. He would be rejected by the very ones who waited and longed for him. He would be killed. But he would rise three days later. Once we know who he is, we begin to understand why he is here. Isaiah 53, 1 to 12, we're given this prophecy of this one whom we would long for. It says, who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and we carried our pain and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of the people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and he had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely when you make him a guilt offering. He will be, we, he will be, see his seed. He will prolong his days and by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be a 
accomplished. See, the holiness and the justness of God demanded payment for our sin and for the rebellion of creation. And that is exactly why the Messiah, the the Savior, was here. That's exactly what he came to do, to, to be the payment for our sins. And the reality that we find in the Gospels is that God's will is often hard, but it's always perfect. While Jesus was totally on board with naming, while while Peter was totally on board with naming Jesus as the Messiah, he was not on board. He was not ready to get behind this reality that Jesus was going to die because of being the Messiah. So he begins to rebuke Jesus. In turn, Jesus literally equates Peter to the devil. While Peter offers Jesus the crown of being the Messiah, he wants to reject him the cross. He wants to dismiss God's plan and God's purpose. He wants to define what that plan and purpose might be, what that vision of the Messiah may be. Peter wants Jesus to fit into his own agenda. He wants to keep him neatly in his own box. He thinks he knows the kind of Messiah that the world needs. And so he attempts to repurpose Jesus to meet his own conception and his own understanding. But we hear this in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. In a surge of anger, I hid my face. Wrong one, sorry about that. You're going to say, that's not going to fit with the point I was just leading up to. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For his thoughts are higher than our own thoughts. And here we see Peter living this out, and then we find our our own selves living this out constantly, where where we want to redefine or, or repurpose or repackage or simply just pack Jesus neatly away in our own box and completely dismiss the entire plan and purpose he has for us. Even after Peter confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, He was shocked to hear the extent of Jesus' purposes. Even after Peter admits that Jesus is the king, that he is the one who has come to rule, come to save, come come to release him from the grip of the world, he's still shocked to realize what that was going to mean. He was certain he knew better. And he wanted to define what normal and acceptable was for the Messiah what it was going to be for the Messiah to do. He, he was desperate to, to define what the Messiah needed to do. And I wonder, church, how often do we find ourselves in those same shoes, especially on January 1st of a new year, desperately trying to define what Jesus is going to do in our lives this year, making our list of resolutions, our, our list of goals and achievements putting down on, on paper uh, the, the, the number of pounds we're going to lose this year, or, or we're not going to eat a single sweet this year, or we're going to read through the entire Bible this year, we're going to wake up at 4 a.m. and exercise this year, or we're going to do something extravagant this year. 
whatever it may be. And the reality is, it's those, those goals, those things that we should be setting goals. It's good to use a new year to, to reestablish ourselves, to refocus, to prioritize. But how many things are we trying to refocus and prioritize for the Messiah to do in our own lives? When all he's asking of us is, who do you say that I am? But Jesus, certainly my plan is better. Certainly this, this map that I've made, this vision board that I've created, certainly this is the better plan. Peter wasn't attempting to be like Satan. He didn't have ill intentions. He just wanted what he thought was best. And we too, we, we live our life making Jesus, trying to make Jesus fit into the agenda that we think is best. Rather than simply submitting to his will and to his way and saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You came for a purpose so much greater than my own plans, my own dreams, my own visions. So church, let's not pack Jesus away with the nativity scene in the boxes of Christmas decorations this year. Let's not allow him to, to, to let's not allow us to leave him in the manger. Let's not, let's not try to keep him safe so we can get him out next year and celebrate all over again. Rather, let's let Jesus be who he came into our lives to be. Let's let him be our Messiah. Let him be our Savior. Let him be our Lord. Let him be the one that leads us, that guides us. Let him be the one that we submit everything we are to. Be the one who defines what we're going to do each day. To be the one who calls us to be light in dark places who calls us to be his hands and his feet. The one who cuts us off from this world and the, the expectations of the world. We're gonna see a lot of things on social media today about all of the goals that we should be having. The only goal that we should be defining is who do I say Jesus is? 2023 is here. And we'll be right back here celebrating Advent before we know it. That's just the reality. This year is going to fly by as every year often does. And I wonder as we, as we expect that, as we realize that, as we prepare for that, how will we surrender this year over to Jesus unlike we've ever surrendered before? How will we let Jesus lead us through this year? As you begin the new year, Church, Jesus is asking you this same question, and it's on the, the cover of your bulletin here, and I invite you to, to take this and, and to put it in your Bible or, or put it on your fridge or beside your bed, wherever you, you do your praying or your devotional time. Jesus is asking you this question above everything else in this new year. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? And is he your vision? Is he your light? Does he set the tone for this new year that you're walking into today? Thank you again for spending time with us today. 
Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.